Welcome to CIR Realty Business Mastery, where we present on topics that will help you build a successful real estate business. While you're here, be sure to subscribe to not miss any new episodes, as well as leave us a five-star review. That'll help others discover us too. We hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, for the next 15 minutes, we are going to talk about email habits. So what's fascinating about email is back in the day, like when I was in grade eight and writing letters and school reports, you know, so like really not that long ago, but long enough ago, there was such a focus on spelling and grammar and syntax and the audience that you were writing to. And I am the first to admit, and I have an English degree, that email is one of those things that slowly but surely is coming a dumping ground for whatever thoughts and emotions and objectives that you have. And it's to get them to the other party as fast as humanly possible because we all have a million things to do today. And the problem with that is that all of the joy of writing and the reason that we write and communicate with people kind of gets pushed to the side a little bit. And you often end up with having these really, really, really sloppy verbal diarrhea schla that end up in somebody's inbox. Now for you, for me, basically everything I'm saying to you, I'm speaking of myself. So this isn't um, an attack on you. It's an attack on me. And I'm just saying you because it makes me feel better. But there's somebody on the other side of this that's going to get this information and you're totally going to be judged for how you write and what you're saying when you write it. So we're going to talk today about 21 um, unprofessional email habits that make everybody hate you, even if it's just for 30 seconds, not long-term hate, just a little bit of hate. And hopefully it'll give you a couple ideas for before you hit send to make sure that you are thinking a little bit more about the person on the other side. Okay, so we are going to use a PowerPoint presentation. So this is the end of my face for a little bit. Um, so long. And we are going to start with number one, sending urgent emails that aren't urgent. Like the boy who cried wolf, if you abuse the urgent marker, it won't be long until no one will pay any attention to it. So oftentimes at the start of an email in a subject line, you'll go urgent, blah, please reply now, blah. Unless it's actually urgent, guys, try and avoid that. Remember that there are some people out there who might be like, neurosurgeons that have a totally different understanding of what urgent means to you. So use that. So use that respect respectfully and make it so that when you are saying urgent that you're not abusing it and someone's actually going to make sure that they're responding to it appropriately. Okay. Putting words in all caps. Are you yelling? Because that's what using all caps looks like. Now we've all made the accidental mistake where sometimes you're <clears throat> sending a text message and you have all caps long and then you send it to someone and they think that you're really, really mad. That can happen in email too. Um, especially in email, you want to make sure that you are not doing that unless it's absolutely necessary. And lots of times, guys, if you're using all caps, it's for a link like read more, enter here, um, use this link, something to draw attention versus actually explaining a concept. Being too casual. While the tone of your message should reflect your relationship with the recipient, too much informality will make you come across as unprofessional. So this is a big one that when it comes to knowing who your audience is, try and match it the best that you can. Don't try and be you know, too hoity-toity with somebody that you have a casual relationship with, but in a business setting, it still is important to make sure that you're going to be 10 to 15%, a little bit more professional than you think you need to be, because at the end of the day, you are in a position of authority, seen as somebody who is the educator and advocating on behalf of someone, and you want to make sure that you're still getting that across in your tone. 
At the same time, you also do not want to be too stiff because as soon as you start across, you come across as sounding a bit like a robot, you come as a, I don't want to say position of a, a position of authority that nobody likes, but at the same time, you don't want to sound that you're overbearing or that you're a bit of a know-it-all or that you don't understand the emotion beside something. So there's a, there's a fine balance. So save your legal jargon if possible um, for lawyers. Replying all. This is a big one. Email is not a party in the break room. It is a communication tool. There are lots of reasons that there are five, six, seven people on an email chain. And sometimes it's because all of those people need the information, which makes sense. But when it comes time for you to reply, take a second thought and be like, does everybody on this email need to see my reply? Or is this reply really, or is my reply really just meant for the person that I'm sending it to? Otherwise, it can add a bunch of unnecessary time for somebody else to have to go through communication that they don't actually need to see. See seen without approval. The best rule of thumb is to never assume it's okay to share an email with someone new to the conversation. So two things on this, guys. Thing number one, if you are five, six emails into somebody and you decide to CC somebody else, every other piece of communication that you and the other party have shared so far is visible by the new third party. And the first person involved in those emails may have changed their wording or included or unincluded something that they would have said if they knew that it was going to be open to somebody else. So make sure you don't do that. The other thing, which is a big one, is if you are trying to introduce somebody to somebody else, best practice is to ask the person you're trying to introduce first if it's okay for you to email introduce them to somebody else. Something that happens to me quite often um, that I don't love is somebody will email me CCing somebody else and they're like, hey Kirsten, I want you to meet so-and-so because they have this company and I think it would be a really good fit and I would love for you to set up a meeting with them. Well, unfortunately, in many cases, my response is, hey, I actually don't have time for this right now. And I don't want to make the person making the introduction look bad, but it would have been a lot better had they asked me first. That way I could have reached out at a time that made sense to me and it would have kind of valued that a little bit more. So two, two better ways to use CCC. BC, BC scene um, conveys distrust and secrecy. So, you know, most of the time if you're BC seeing somebody, Everybody else isn't going to find out about it, but you never know when you're going to be in some sort of a conversation where somebody's going to bring up something that they shouldn't know and somebody else is going to realize that they were BCC'd on it. At the same time, the people that you're BCC'ing all the time, I think of this as like, I don't know how old everybody is, um, but in high school, you could do three-way calls. So I could like, me and my best friend could be on the phone and she would actually be hiding there and nobody would know she'd be there. And then we would call somebody else and have a conversation and the other person wouldn't know it was awful. Girls are terrible. Um, but that's kind of like BCCing in some ways. And even though the person you're BCCing is on the inside loop, it kind of shows to them that maybe one day they might be the person um, you know, that is being hidden out on certain information or you're emailing them and someone else is on it. So just try not to do it unless it's totally necessary. If you need to, forward an email afterwards. Sending emails past 3 a.m. This was something that when I first started my career, I was absolutely terrible at because of two things. Number one, I wasn't efficient enough that I could get all of my work done during the day. So I would wake up in the middle of the night in a panic and start working and start sending people emails. And the other thing was, I didn't think much of it because I was like, oh, 
look how smart I am, look how hard I'm working. Now everybody's going to know I was up working in the middle of the night. At best, people think you're a workaholic who does not have a life, and at worst, they think you're obsessive. So if you do need to send something at 3 o'clock in the morning, whether it's something you forgot to do the day before or you just can't get back to sleep unless you send something, there are a lot of really great email functions. Um, you know, Boomerang is one. Gmail has a send later tool. Write the email and schedule it for it to send at 6.30 a.m. if it needs to get past. I mean, 6.30 is still a little bit early, but at least people don't think you're crazy. Um, so use that tool. Get it off your brain. Send later. Using a vague subject line. Oh, this is one of my things that I hate. The, this is a personal pet peeve. This is something I don't do just because I hate it so much. Um, it's me. Hey, FYI, open this. Gives the, the email recipient no indication of what you're emailing them about, and they're less likely to open your email as a result about it. Some of you may think, but oh, like now they have to open the email because they have no idea what it's about. The people who are opening it are opening it hating you because it's such an annoying way to send an email. So don't use a vague subject line. Let somebody know what your, the point of the message is. It's super respectful. Not including a subject line at all. This is also irritating to the recipient who is now forced to open the email to figure out what it's about. And again, it's all about respecting other people's time. If you send somebody an email and they haven't opened it, it's because they're probably doing something else that's really important. And whether really important means something that's a highly um, prioritized task that day or it means that they're at a swimming lesson with their kid, they're doing their best, just like you guys are on a day-to-day -day basis, to prioritize their inbox to do what they need to do. So by not including a subject line and forcing somebody to put your email in an order that it might not need to be in, again, is just a, a disrespect, disrespecting the person's time. Starting a sentence in the subject line that you finish in the email's body. If you begin a thought or question that ends in the email, then the reader is once again forced to open the email, which is annoying. So here's a good example. Subject line. Looking to see if you have opened this file. You op open, the in open the email and then it says, for address one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So somebody opens the email realizing that they don't even really remember what it is. So now they're going back to the subject line and the whole thing is a mess. So just don't do that. A ridiculous email address. Now I really hope that everybody is past this, but anything cutesy, sexy, vulgar, or nonsensical will set a negative tone from the get-go. Now, you guys all have uh, CIR email addresses, which is great. A lot of you have great email addresses that match your domain name. Even when you're working with your clients, and it depends on your comfort level, but again, your job is to do the best you can for them. If somebody has a totally ridiculous email address and they're in correspondence with mortgage brokers and lawyers, people aren't going to take them as seriously as they might. And these are really big decisions um, that are made on behalf of their life by people who are looking at how they're communicating. So, um, you know, especially first-time home buyers who might be like on the fence for getting financing, don't let them have a stupid email address. Let them know. Okay. Including cutesy quotes in an email. While having a tagline beneath your signature is acceptable, lengthy messages will probably go unread, take away from the professional tone, or just become burdensome. I had an advertising rep once that every single week changed some motivational something at the bottom, and it wasn't like one or two sentences. It was a novel of whatever it was. And although her intention was good, and although sometimes it was good, to say that it took away from the reason that we were emailing back and forth is just a fact. So um, if you have something, keep it short, keep it sweet, but don't, get it, don't let it get in the way of you, the rest of your emails. 
Okay. Sending too many personal emails. Jokes, touching stories, and motivational quotes and on occasion could absolutely cheer up somebody's day, but they can also become tiresome. So I'm going to use an example that's kind of like this, not quite, but there is somebody that I know that sends me an e-card on every normal holiday, made-up holiday, cultural holiday. It doesn't matter what it is. I swear her full, her full-time job is going online and sending me e-cards. And it's gotten to the point where, one, I don't even open her e-cards at all. Two, I feel like her e-cards are almost spammy. Um, so that, that, that's kind of what it is, right? Like send things that are nice, but don't be overboard because, again, you only need to take up so, somebody's mind share so much before, you know, it becomes tiresome. Okay. Including a confidentiality notice at the end of every single email. When sending content or photos via email, Remember, it is always up to the recipient's discretion whether it remains confidential. This is a big one, guys. If you are sending something via email, whether it's PDFs, photos, no, copy in the in a normal inbox, if something is to be confidential, don't put that at the bottom of an email because nobody's actually agreed to it when they've opened it. So they, they've given no consent and they've already received the information. So if something is meant to be confidential, before you send over what's confidential, send them something first that says, hey, I'm about to send you something. I need you to agree to it. You can use a, a, a an NDA agreement. You can write something up very quickly. Even them just replying back being like, yes, I'll make sure this is confidential and a court of law would hold up. But don't put it at the bottom of your of uh, the first email because it just it, it doesn't matter at that point. Being snippy. People always remember the main email, which is my, which is why you must not send one. I can't tell you how many times I regret sending an email that should have been a phone conversation or should have been in person. And, you know, it might have just been one or two lines, you know, disappointed in this or that really didn't work out, whatever it is. And the problem with email is that even if you're not trying to sound that snippy, when you take tone out and context and eye-to-eye -eye contact, unless something is intentionally written to come off as being nice, it can come off curt and it can come off snippy. So if you're actually trying to be snippy in an email, let me tell you, by the time someone opens it, they're going to think that they're going to think that you hate them. And that is a really, really terrible feeling. And you yourself are probably going to end up spending the next day or two feeling crappy about how you've made somebody else feel. And now you're not going to want to see them or you're not going to want to call them because you're a little bit embarrassed and you don't know how it's going to go. So save yourself all of that and write nice emails. Same being curt. Um, you know, sometimes if you're sending something very, very quick, that's totally fine. But if you're going to come across as being bossy or demanding, you know, just putting in a little word like, thank you, you know, all the best, so-and-so, even in a very, very short email, using a couple nice words goes a really long way to make sure that that email isn't coming across curt. Numerous typos. This is where I shine. Typically not in emails, but I use Gmail chat a lot. And I have two of my staff members who are in the office row who are doing this meeting right now. And it is beyond me that anyone can even read this for how bad some of my typos are when I'm trying to type really, really fast. What I love about what you see on the screen right now is when it comes to email specifically, if you are out on the go, you are grocery shopping, you are with a client, you're doing whatever it is you need to be doing. And the, whatever you get in your inbox is so important that you need to physically stop what you're doing and not wait until you have a minute to type on your phone properly or open a computer to send an email, then it's probably important enough 
that you should look it over before you hit send, which is something that I don't think about very often, um, but reading this ran true to me because oftentimes I think, well, it really doesn't matter what it looks like because someone just wants the information. Yes and no, um, but just remember, just because you send the information and they're happy to have it, it might make you look a little bit less professional or a little bit less smart if every time you're pressing send on something, there's gonna be 10 typos in it. Annoying punctuation. If you choose to use an exclamation point, use only one. If you would like to use a happy face, use it only when someone is really happy or you are really happy. If you are going to be using commas or colons, don't have it so that you can put five different thoughts in one sentence because people get super, super confused. Limit it to one sentence, start a new sentence. Instead of having five run-on paragraphs that take up an entire massive email, press enter a few times and just make it so that punctuation is used in a nice, easy way to make communication more effective without overdoing it so much that people start becoming confused in what they're reading because it is just loaded in syntax, loaded in syntax arrows. Um, and unprofessional fonts. Purple Comic Sans has a time and place, maybe, and by maybe I mean we might have a Halloween coloring contest at some point, and if we were to use a Purple Comic Sans in that one situation, it might make sense, and even at that I don't know if it would totally make sense, but for business correspondence, keep your fonts, colors, and sizes classic. And going too long, this is a really, really big one, guys. Most people spend seconds, not minutes, or hours reading an email. So a lot of people only skim them. So write your email accordingly. Think of this as writing almost like a, a press release, right? When somebody sends a press release to a newspaper, they go from the absolute most important topic at the very beginning to the very, very least important information being at the end. Because realistically, the editor reading this is going to spend 10 seconds deciding if this is important or not. And that's how they're making deci their decision on whether they're going to keep reading. So if you do have a long email to send, make sure that you're putting your value proposition of why it's worth someone's time at the top of this and try and keep things as concise as possible. If you're using bullet points or dashes in an email, people actually really, really appreciate that. It's like, what am I trying to get across and how do I do it as quickly as possible? Because again, nobody wants to read a novel. Even you look at Instagram, social media, um, YouTube videos, people don't want to watch really long videos. They just don't, which is why, you know, even education content now is, you know, 10, two minute videos that you can watch because God forbid you put a 20 minute video up there because it just doesn't keep people's intentions. So emails are very much the same. So that is it guys. While well, mastering the art, of good email etiquette doesn't mean sending out beautifully crafted prose each time. That would take forever. If you can avoid these bad habits, you'll be off to a really great start and you will have less people hating you when you open their emails. So that's it guys. I hope that you have a few little takeaways from that. I know that for me, um, even just saying this out loud again after reading it is going to make me put a little bit more thought into my email communication, which I'm sure lots of people are really going to appreciate. Um, so that's that. That's all we have for you today. And thank you so much for giving us your time and tuning in. Don't forget to like CIR Realty Business Mastery on Facebook and to follow us on Instagram. Take care, everyone.